Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to another edition of BL podcast. I'm your host Thomas and today I have with me a very special guest. His journey from Jabalpur, a small town in Madhya Pradesh to becoming the father of Indian hardware is nothing short of extraordinary. A visionary pioneer who co-founded HCL in 1976 with five others with a dream of using the microprocessor and changing the world he has also played a pivotal role in shaping the electronics industry in india as an advisor to the government committee since 1999 he has been a powerful advocate for self sufficiency in electronics he has recently written a book on his life and times titled just aspire it is indeed a pleasure to speak with you dr ajay choudhary good to talk to you sir Uh, you have seen the growth of you know india's hardware sector right from the beginning to where we are today uh there was a time when we often heard that especially in the mid 2000s that india has missed the bus when it comes to manufacturing given the rise of china in the region now you've seen both india and china from where we are and where where we used to be and how they have overtaken us uh of late of course we are seeing a flurry of activities from semiconductors to pli to assembling so overall how satisfied are you with where we are today as a nation and where we are headed to becoming a manufacturing hub for the world i have been advocating many many things over the years in electronics because i have been part of pretty much all the government committees for electronics and close to 20 odd years ago i had said we should have semiconductors close to 20 odd years ago i wrote a report for the principal scientific advisor saying that we should be a product nation unfortunately both the things don't didn't happen and uh, now we are at a stage where uh, what i had written many years ago is sort of coming true that our import bill for electronics is going to be higher than the oil bill the reason why this has not happened is because so many times the oil prices go up so however right. if you were to actually keep a constant level of price on oil the import bill of india is increasing by the day and we are importing more and more from china in the last 3 years while in the last 3 years the us has reduced its imports on china so you know it's very critical at this stage to look at uh, the whole ecosystem of product to chip and that is where uh, i have set up a foundation called epic and our whole objective is to promote the whole idea of making india a product nation and therefore what i believe is that in the last 4 uh, to 5 years the government has done a great job in scaling up manufacturing of electronics but what is really missing is that we are at the lower end of the value addition we only add 4 or 8% of value when we manufacture if you look at a product like apple 600 dollar product 34 dollars is the manufacturing that's all we do we are not at the higher end of the value addition now this is something that we must as a country change and become a product nation where we can have more value addition is happening in india through buying of components from india and making designing in india so that's the change that i believe is required to actually convert india into a product nation great point sir so so you spoke about value addition right so if you look at the mobile phone manufacturing which is being flagged as a success story to my mind as of now we are essentially using screwdrivers to assemble 
components which are being imported from other countries. So the import bill which you talked about, which is so critical to our country, uh, you know, instead of actually reducing over the last four five years, it's it's, it's actually gone off, and we are not able to move up that that uh, value chain. So that's one part of the uh, problem. The other problem is about uh, lack of Indian brands in the ecosystem. You know, you started HCL. We used to have another brand called Zenith. In the mobile space, we have we used to have. I remember in the early 2000s, uh, before the 4G thing came, we had companies like Micromax who had taken up almost the second uh, market share after Samsung. Yes. All these brands have vanished. So how do we attack these two problems that we have? One is the value addition. How do we move up the value chain? And how do we encourage more local brands, even if those guys who are manufacturing here is still Samsungs and Apples who are, you know, doing that assembly here? So you know that's why I set up Epic last year, and our whole objective was to help support the whole ecosystem to develop products. So I've been actually advocating with the government that we should not just look at semiconductors at one end and separate that from product. My recommendation to the government has been that. let us make india a product nation so as a result of my efforts with the government uh, the government has set up a task force to look at which products should be designed in india which products should be made in india and that is something that process will happen but we need to do much much more than that we need to design in india we should also create a component ecosystem in india which is missing and the current policy which is called specs is pretty outdated we should look at a policy which is very encouraging long term and has very good incentives for large medium and small companies electronics does not consist of large companies alone smes are absolutely critical when wto happens in 2005 it killed the whole sme industry in india and that's when it started killing all the brands as you rightly say all brands have vanished we need to bring them back how do you bring them back i have written a white paper on this i have submitted that to the government and my recommendations are that we should do three four critical things we should identify which products we need to make in india we need to encourage uh, we need to give incentives to people to make these products including a large number of startups have to be involved in all of this and the next thing that we must do in addition is to encourage people to buy local components good news is that in the new a policy for it hardware they've given special incentives if you buy local components but but the one thing that is missing in every pli is design and i think if we need to have a very clear objective of make in india the make in india should be converted to design and make in india then only can we be successful so i think this is something that we must pursue as a country and in electronics is there in every part of everything that you can think of so unless as a country we look at electronics as a very special area where we must add value we must design and we must buy local components create an ecosystem create a product ecosystem incentivize development of products you know something like this is already happening in ministry of defense they have a program called idex under idex program they call startups and they say can you make this product for us they said yes i can make this product for you okay here is some money go make this product when they make the product and it's proven that it works they buy from those companies that is what we need to do in india we need to have clear idea that government is a very large buyer we should give preference in india to actually consolidate all the requirements of electronics of the central government and state government 
and then give that business to Indian companies. And with that, we'll be able to scale. And once we have scaled, we don't need to do anything. They will be on their own. They will be successful and they can go on to become global companies in products. Right. So that's an interesting point. So obviously, if the government uh, assures a ready purchase, so there's a ready market for anybody who designs and develops yes. a product in India. You mentioned about design and developing a product. That's the core problem, I think, that we need to attack because A, it needs deep pockets to do R&D and develop products. So far, if you see our successes have been in the services space, in the software side, even the startups which are coming, which I at least which I am seeing now, are all related around software development or services. Even the deep tech guys are getting into you know software-related development. Are there enough people in India who are thinking about on the product side? Can we develop hardware? For example, we are all talking about AI and virtual reality and all that. Can we develop, say, VR headsets or you know AI or devices which can recognize or deploy AI-based technologies? So, is that kind of R&D really happening in India, which can further get to some extent? Yeah. To yeah. some extent, Thomas, it's happening, but we need to encourage this. We need to incentivize these people. We don't have any incentives for making products in India. Where are the incentives? None. You know, within the semiconductor policy, there is an incentive for design of semiconductor chips. But there is no policy in electronics to design product. And I think that is what we need to encourage. As I said, if IDEX can do it, look, we've done it in vaccines. What did we do in vaccines? We said, okay, here is the the total demand of the country. We aggregated the whole demand, gave it to two or three companies and said, I'll give you money even to increase your manufacturing. Go and set it up. And those two companies like Bharat Biotech have become global companies. And they can be competitive in the world. Recently, the same thing has been done for telecom. You look at the 4G order of uh, BSNL. That order has been placed on Tata's. It's a 24,000 crore order. All the aggregated demand of the government, which is BSNL, has been given to one company. That company has gone and bought a 4G stack, which is all made in India, which is consisting of 16 different companies who have come together to create this stack. And this stack is something which will make India a product nation in telecom equipment. Because today 4G will happen, tomorrow they will make 5G products also. So this demand aggregation, designing in India and manufacturing in India is all should go together. Otherwise, we are only looking at bits and pieces of making this whole ecosystem. Right. So you mentioned about the semiconductor uh, policy and some efforts have been uh, uh, geared towards that over the last many years. We've had several schemes. We got applications, but it never beyond that. Now we have the 75,000 crore uh, 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 support which the government has announced and again you have seen some interest Vedanta, Foxconn and so on they are, they are saying that they will do this how confident are you that this time we will be able to push through with the semiconductor manufacturing finally or do you think there are still some doubts there no no I don't have any doubts it will happen the challenge that we are facing at this moment is that every country is wanting to set up semiconductors and that is what is drawing all investments all over the world because after after uh, the COVID situation, everybody realized that they must have diversified supply chains. Today, supply chains were restricted to China and Taiwan. All those things need to change. So America has decided to do semiconductors. European countries are doing semiconductors. Uh, Japan is doing semiconductors. So all that is happening. And as a result, there's a huge 
demand for equipment, etc., etc., and companies to come and set up in those countries. We have created a very aggressive policy. Our policy, which never succeeded in the past, was due to the reason we were not giving all the incentives up front. This time, the government says, okay, if you're going to invest 5 billion, we'll give you 2.5 billion. Now, that's a very positive step. In addition to that, states are giving another 20%. So, 70% of your capex is being taken by, care of by India, which is the biggest and the best scheme in the world. So, I am sure that uh, semiconductors will happen. But, you know, we should not just think of semiconductors as only one part. We should think of semiconductors as silicon and compound semiconductors. Right. So that's an interesting point which you uh, raised. So, you know, uh, so we've seen recent announcements by the likes of Intel, Samsung, um, you know, Qualcomm, they, the, the, the global chip makers or OEMs for chips. They've all announced decisions to, you know, either put a 14 billion, 24 billion dollar plant in US or Taiwan or elsewhere. So should we then in India, instead of pursuing these global brands, encourage local players? For example, Tata's are saying that, you know, they are interested in this in this space. So should India then push large Indian conglomerates to lead the semiconductor manufacturing bit? Or should we still depend on the, the global players in this case? Global players won't come here at this moment. Let's be, let's be very straight. They have got too much on their hands already. TSMC is not going to take any interest in India because they've got so much business already happening. Why should they come to India? They will go and set up in Japan. They will set up in America, but they're not going to set up in India because we don't have that many customers who design products in India. That is the whole problem. We don't do design. If you don't do design, who will buy chips? So that's the basic issue that you need to look at. Apple is designed in America. Therefore, there is a requirement for chips. Samsung is designed in Korea. There's a requirement for chips. Uh, Xiaomi is designed in China. There's a requirement for chips. In India, we don't design anything. So this is where the whole situation is. So I feel that we should, uh, we don't need to worry about all the big companies. We should have our own strategy. Like, like what you say is right. Tata should, should be in, in, into semiconductors. Reliance should be in semiconductors. Adani should be in semiconductors. All the big conglomerates should look at semiconductors because you need deep pockets for making semiconductors happen. And I think, uh, uh, therefore, a company like Vedanta coming forward is a good idea because they are a big company. Big companies are required to make semiconductors, silicon semiconductors in India. Compound semiconductors doesn't need that kind of investment. Right. So uh, one thing I uh, sort of gathered by reading your book and also this conversation that you have is you are somebody for who's now for 25, 30 years has stuck on to this belief that India can become a hardware hub. You've not given up that hope. What is giving you that confidence? How have you been staying positive about this whole thing? Especially, you know, you've been closely associated with a lot of these policy making and you must have seen all of them going down the drain without any, you know, uh, result at the end of the day. So how did you motivate yourself and keep, keep yourself hopeful of that one day we will be able to achieve this? Well, that's the reason I called my book Just Aspire. I always say, keep aspiring and things will happen. My guru, Dr. C.K. Prahlad, and I've written about it in my book also, used to say, A is greater than R. If you have the aspiration, resources will happen. So as and me as a person, Epic, my foundation as an organization, India as a country, as an organization, we must keep on aspiring to be the best in the world. And therefore, if we continue to aspire, things will happen. Now, that's the reason I've been extremely positive about 
things will happen. It's taken years, but it's finally happening. We have a very good government. We have very good ministers who understand electronics. And I don't see any reason why electronics will not happen. Uh, for when I talk about India as a product nation, which is the last chapter of my book, talks about my vision for India and electronics. And my specific area that I'm very particular about is India must make products. So I went and met everybody in the government. I gave them a white paper. The Ministry of Electronics has accepted my white paper. They've set up a task force to now look at how to design products in India. So hopefully that task force, which consists of all people from all kinds of industry, manufacturing, you know, Dixon's is there, VVDN is there, Boat is there, product companies are there, Sanjay Naik's company is there. So all of them have been being brought part of this whole task force. And hopefully that task force will give some path-breaking recommendations. I'm part of that also. We'll give path-breaking recommendations for creating India as a product nation. What's the timeline for this task force to submit its report? I think two to three months is what it is. Right. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you after reading the, your book is, you, you've spoken about how Etsy exited at some point after you left in the hardware space. Do you, do you now, in hindsight think that was not a correct decision and if Etsil was around today, do you think it could have leveraged on all these opportunities that is coming up, whether it is PLI or you know, in other things? Look, it's that's all history. These decisions are not taken by one person. These are decisions taken by a board of our company. So the board must have decided that, you know, we're not making enough money in hardware. Let's not be in that business. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a choice that you make. Yes, if you say so. If I was still running the company if, and if hardware was still uh, a very major part of HCL, absolutely, this is the time to be in hardware. Because today, there are so many incentives to make in, make in India that we can definitely scale and become big in India. Right. So let me then pivot to some of the other topics that you've been speaking about. So one is on artificial intelligence. And you've, you've, you've recommended, uh, you know, probably that there is a need for a regulator. Whereas there is another side of this argument who are saying, let market forces decide and with, you know, enough guardrails in place, things should be fine. Uh, globally, we are seeing this debate playing out, you know, with Musk and a few others saying there should be a pause. Let's rethink what we are doing because there is a danger to the humanity. Uh, what, where, where do you think, I mean, should we head as a country on AI? Should we take the lead in terms of, say, appointing a regulator and putting those guardrails even before it, it, it goes beyond our control? It will go very much beyond our control unless we do that today. Because we must not take a risk on this issue. We should be very, very clear that with the generative AI that is coming in, you have so many possibilities. And therefore, it's essential that we look at guardrails. We should look at setting up a regulator, ensuring that it goes in the right direction rather than the wrong direction. AI in the wrong hands is going to be very dangerous. That's my belief. And I... And I wrote about this in my book before Chat GPT appeared. But you know, all this is also good for the world because AI is going to help us in many, many big ways. It'll, it'll help us to remove diseases, for example. It'll help us to predict what, what can be done. It'll help us to create solutions which are not there today. So, you know, there's so many positive aspects of AI that, uh, you know, we should not ask it to go away. It should be there and it will be very, very valuable if used correctly, but the guardrails should be there. Right. You're also very closely associated with entrepreneurship and uh, mentoring a lot of youngsters who, who want to start afresh. 
so what do you think is the key difference that you see from the time when you started as an entrepreneur and what current entrepreneurs go go through uh do you think the current generation have it easier than than what you had to face oh definitely when we started out there were no resources available and uh, there was no funding available there were no angels there were no vcs nothing and the banks uh, didn't even recognize something called a startup so startup word also didn't ever exist at that time and you know for us to make computers in india we needed a license and uh, for small companies to get a license was impossible so that's how hcl decided at that stage to go to up government who was sitting with a license we partnered with them created hindustan computers limited and took off from there you know we started as an entrepreneur journey with 1.86 lakhs today uh, hcl is a 12 billion dollar corporation so you know uh, as i've always said it's not about uh, resources it's about aspiration and my guru used to say a is greater than r so if you have the aspiration resources will happen and it happened in our case uh, we didn't have any resources but we found the license we found the money and we took off from there in 10 years flat hcl became the largest it company of india so you know things can be done if you have the aspiration and if you do the right things from the from the early days yes you will make mistakes yes you will have you will fall down many many times we fell down many times but we still carried on and if you have the uh, desire to succeed it will happen so entrepreneurship is something that i have great faith in india we have a very good ecosystem that's now developed government deeply supports startups but a lot more needs to be done because today you know there are so many challenges for startups even today those days there were too many these days hardly any but there are few challenges like angel tax is a big bug bear today that needs to be sorted out for example uh, when uh, when esops are given for startups you know they if they when they get the esops they get taxed it's ridiculous if they sell the stock they should get taxed they should not be taxed when they get the stock so i think these changes should be done to bring uh, more uh, uh, you know openness to uh, startups in india and we should allow all kinds of funds to come in to support uh, uh, startups in india like pension funds insurance companies there's so much money in the country so many insurance companies are sitting there none of that is allowed for startups today so all that needs to be changed global people global indians should be able to invest in india with very good cap gains type of policies today you know because of this whole angel tax business and capital gains uh, the lot of global indians don't invest in indian companies and as a result a lot of indian companies have flipped to the us because they find it easier to get money than getting the money here we should be a global magnet for investments into startups and we should make all our policies to support money coming from wherever it can come for our startup ecosystem so i think there are some major changes that are needed to the startup policy for the country very good start has been made by the government but i think a lot more needs to be done and today startups can get funding very easily as compared to what we had those days but last 3 years there's been a problem with funding for startups also and i think that's very good because uh, a lot of startups got too much money and when they got too much money they didn't handle themselves well enough they wasted a lot of money and i think this um, winter of funding 
is good for India. And startups will learn that they have to be very smart with their money and they should be spending on the right areas. That is very critical. And even in my book, I write about a very important aspect of entrepreneurship, which is, I believe very strongly that an entrepreneur CEO must be a very good salesperson. And a lot of times, the, the various startups don't pay attention to this and they flunder. You know, you can't have the, you can, even if you have the best product in the world, you don't know how to sell it. It's meaningless. So in my book, there is a full chapter on salesmanship. Also. And there's another very nice chapter on how to manage people. It's called the people tree. So I have taken end-to-end thinking on entrepreneurship in my book, where I talk about what is entrepreneurship, how entrepreneurship can be developed, how business mentoring is very critical to make a success of entrepreneurs, how salesmanship is required, how managing people is required. So all of these are part of my book. Right. So you mentioned about the winter of funding uh, where of last two to three years, we've been seeing there's a funding crunch. Um, you also mentioned that we should look at, uh, you know, pension funds, like, for example, the Canadian pension fund is very aggressively investing into India, whereas our EPFO is sitting on, on all that money. Exactly. Uh, I, I don't know. Right. But, you know, the, 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 the concern there is, you know, these are savings of, you know, very middle class or lower middle class people and our startup hit rates of being successful is very low. So the concern is if that money can, if, if it's sunk into some, you know, say 100 startups of which 90 things, then all that money goes for away. So that's the, I think the larger worry that, that about, about using public funds into, into, into uh, private uh, entities. Let the public funds be invested into VCs, Indian VCs. And the VCs will take care to invest into the right startups. VCs know how to invest into right startups. Government doesn't, nor does the insurance company know. I'm not asking anybody to invest directly into startups. I'm saying put money into VCs who will then go and invest into startups. Should the Indian corporates lead this route? So, for example, Mr. Ratan Tata invests in a lot of startups. You do. Uh, then there is Mr. Harsh Mariwala. So, people who started businesses and have succeeded and are at a position where you know you can handhold not just financially but also provide mentorship and some form of direction on how to succeed if you look at the us you know you see large successful corporate like bill gates and all they continuously keep investing whereas here there seems to be some form of resistance i mean you don't see you know some of the big names that we have investing in indian startups so why should we depend on foreign private equities or foreign funds when we have people here with enough capacity who can do this, right? Once you've created a model of, of, of some success where individuals who have wealth have taken that bet, then maybe, you know, public funds can follow. Would you agree? I don't agree on one point. The point I'm meaning is that both should happen at the same time. We should not look at either or. We should make both happen. We should encourage these things to happen. We should create incentives for people to invest in startups. For example, uh, I mean, if the if a corporate invests in startups, give them the incentives to start investing in startups. In um, in the in in UK, you get special incentives if you actually invest in startups, and if you lose the money, you can actually uh, trade it for tax. So all that is provided for in these countries. While India does not look at any of these issues, so India should change its rules. See, we always get stuck with this 
tax issues which need to be corrected to make sure that people invest in startups. You give the incentives, people will do. Corporates can also set up their own investment arms and these investment arms can then look at uh, which startups to invest and there are enough capable people in this country who will uh, come in and work together with them to uh, help them invest in the right startups. So, you know, we have many, many angels and many, many uh, investors in this country who are very, very savvy and capable. And any corporate can afford to hire four or five of them and they can manage it. It's like managing a, uh, you know, managing mutual funds. You manage it through great managers. Yeah, one of the other things that you have uh, spoken about is the development of uh, space technology in India and and uh, arrival of a, a number of interesting startups in that space. Now, the government has outlined its policy and they're looking to in increase India's overall share from 2% at this point in time in the global space economy. Do you think this can be done? I mean, even though we should be proud that we have an organization like ISRO, We've not been able to really break into that market uh, for whatever reasons. But do you think now things will change? You see, I believe in the end-to-end -end development of the product ecosystem. So drones are a product. Space, uh, you know, satellites are a product. We should look at hundreds of such products we should design in India and make in India and support the design, support them through demand aggregation from the government. And then all of this will start to happen. Look at uh, the whole issue of uh, drones. Now, today, government has banned the import of drones from China. And the right thing to do. Now, we should encourage and give funding to various startups to design uh, drone components in India. Drone components are still coming from China. People are making drones, but the components come from China. This kind of concept we need to change in every product, whether it's drone, space, or any other product. We need to now look at end-to-end -end design product to chip. That's the way we should go. And that is what how I set up Epic last year to enable this environment to develop. See, as a country, we are in the lowest end of value chain in everything that you can think of. We are in software services, lower end value. Moment we move from software services to products, higher value addition. So today, in the last 10 to 12 years, a major change has taken place in terms of software product companies happening in India. The same thing we should do in every area. For example, you look at pharma. We do great manufacturing. We do everything. But the most critical aspect of pharma is actually coming from China. APIs are all coming from China. So China is sitting at value, higher value addition. We are sitting at lower value addition. I think we have done enough of lower value addition. Time for us to move up in every area. So in software, we move from services to products. In hardware, we should move from manufacturing to products in every area. And that is where our future lies. You know, for example, we do diamond cutting in India, right? Where is the value addition? The value addition is making diamond cutting machines. Who makes those machines? China makes those machines. Right. I just have one a uh, final question uh, about your dream of making India a global hub of electronics manufacturing uh, with all the problems and challenges ahead. Uh, do you think this will be fulfilled in your lifetime? Well, uh, it's a legacy I would like to leave behind. I want to make this happen. Whether I'm there or not is irrelevant. What we need to do as a country is that we must 
make India a product nation in every part of the industry. And this is where I run into an issue that only Metis looks at electronics. I don't think that's the way we should be doing. Every ministry should look at electronics, identify products that are required to be made in India, designed in India, and then get incentives for getting it made in India. And I think it will happen, Thomas. I have great hopes. Right. Uh, on that note, uh, sir, thank you so much. It's been a great uh, pleasure talking to you. Thanks for all the insights. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Thomas.